Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. It's holiday season. It's Thanksgiving season. You might be uh, wanting to meet up with some friends. To a little party and yeah, Tennessee's winning. Tennessee's winning. They're on an undefeated streak. They've won a couple in a row. Or hey, Garth Brooks is this weekend. Let's go get rowdy. Hey, I'm not going down till the sun comes up. Oh yeah, look at us. Well, if you do, call an Uber, call a taxi, walk. I don't know, they got some of those bikes you can ride around. Don't drink and drive. If you do and you mess up and you find yourself in an unfortunate situation, they'll remember one thing. Do not say guilty. Say Garza, Marcos Garza, and his team will do the best thing possible to get you the best result possible. Garzalaw.com, 865-540-8300. Remember, don't say guilty, say Garza. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. <laughs> but I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Eleven in a row. Enough. <laughs> thirty-eight in a row. As in thirty-eight unanswered points when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you on Wednesday, November 13th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm still not fully adjusted to the time change. It's still a little weird when it gets this dark, but I'm I'm fighting through it. Yeah. It, it, it takes a while to get used to. It takes a while to get used to. I don't get like too depressed or anything, but it, I do just get tired. I would say that's probably how I am, too. It makes me want to go to sleep at, like, 6 p.m. But I still don't go to sleep. I, I haven't been going to sleep till like, 12, 30, 1 o'clock pretty much every night. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it just takes some getting used to. But I have NBA fever. What can I say? I just stay up and I watch all the games. Me, too. Yeah, those, these West Coast games have been pretty good. Yep. I'm a little worried about the Portland Trailblazers, though. Yeah, Zach Collins going out was a big loss. But... You know, and now I'm wondering, like, are they going to trade Anthony Simons, who was kind of a VFL, or do they hold on to him? Is he, like, their way out of all this tax trouble they're going to be in with all the money they've got wrapped up with Dame? Do they try to sell him to get a, a good piece to try to maybe make some noise in the West? I don't know what they do. So he's pretty good? Yeah, no, he's been a baller. Oh, that's nice. That's, that, that's cool. That, that's really cool. We definitely could have used him last year. I didn't know if he had been good or what. Um, my knowledge of the NBA. Last year he wasn't awesome or anything, but he got to play towards the end of the year. And then whenever there was like the last game of the year, he got to get in and whenever they're arresting everybody to get ready for the playoffs, and he dropped like 40 points or something like that. And then this year he's picked up from there and just been pretty explosive. So he'd have been nice to have for sure. What did you think about the basketball team last night? I mean, I am I'm not calling ice on Eve Ponds again this season. I'm not going to do it. We're not calling ice on Ponds again. Is so he's he's safe now. He's safe. He, and 
You are granting him immunity. We're fast-tracking his citizenship request, in fact. Approval. Approval. We're going to get that young man American citizenship. Because if it wasn't for him last night, they they lose to, to Murray State. Um, I mean, like, it's obviously like Rick Barnes said, you know, Pons shot better in, in the fall than anybody else. I mean, I'm going to guess that that's horseshit. But his his shot is a million times better. So you're you're buying it being better and something that Tennessee's going to be able to rely oh, on? Oh, no, I don't think Tennessee's going to be able to rely on it. But I think that it beats the hell out of losing to Murray State at home. Oh, yeah, no, it, it definitely kept you in the game long enough to let the uh, the other good offensive basketball players start scoring. I mean, it's more And by than, that, I really just mean Jordan Bowden. Yeah, like it's more than we banked on having with him. I mean, the shot looks a lot better. I mean, like it's a, and he did. I mean, there there was video. I don't know if you saw, but Pons was balling with like James Harden. Yeah. This uh, this off season. So I mean, he he was hooping with good players. He was he was working on his game. To me, what was what really like I liked the most was not like the wide open threes. It was like when he caught it on the elbow, turned around, and hit the mid range jumper. And he had a nice little up and under. He had a nice little up and under when he was in the post. He he showed some footwork and. Showed just enough touch off the glass from about eight feet out. Yeah, I mean, you know, okay, he can hit wide open threes, okay, but like hitting a mid range jumper in in traffic, that would be cool. He had a bunch of blocks. He was pretty. It's it's must see TV when the other team has a fast break and you see Pons trailing. Okay, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. He's not. He's not LeBron James out there. I mean, it's must see TV. We have this young man fighting for American citizenship, knowing that if he blocks it, he might get to stay. When you put it that way. It's must-see TV. No, I mean, uh, like, is Josiah James not going to be our point guard? Josiah Jordan James. Yeah, is is, is he not going to be our point guard? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think Lamonte Turner is going to be your point guard. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay if Lamonte is a point guard. I mean, he was awesome last night in terms of taking care of the basketball and dishing out assists. He, I mean, he shot like shit. He was two of twelve, but that'll be okay. He he had fourteen assists and no turnovers and played all but like thirty seven seconds, I believe. The shot will come. I mean, he had a bad game shooting. Who cares? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not worried no, about no, that. I'm not, no, I, no, no, I, no, no, no. I think he's going to handle the ball, and I think that gives Tennessee the highest ceiling. Like, I don't want Josiah Jordan-James to be the point guard. I want him and Bowden to be the guys who are attacking. I I want Lamonte to shoot less and pass more, show that he can be a point guard. That's what I think would be the best for the team. Like, right now, while while Josiah is not very good and he's trying to blend into a new team – that's okay. I'm okay if Lamonte's putting up that many shots, but I think if Tennessee's actually going to be good this year, then by January, late you know, but late January, early February, uh, Triple J is going to have to be scoring 15, 16 points a game and hitting shots and grabbing rebounds and doing all that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that if they're going to be any good at all, then at some point Josiah James kind of just has to take over, since you're the most talented person on the team. I'm okay if Bowden's still the leading scorer and the lead dog, but James has to be a good number two. I, I don't have any problem with Lamonte holding the with handling the ball either. I just thought that Josiah was going to be the point guard in the summer and stuff. Um, people talked about him as he was a point guard. Like, obviously, what sucks is the fact he didn't practice at all. 
like that has really hurt him thus far. He did hit a three, though. That was nice. Yeah, I didn't really like that he only shot one. I'd rather him shoot a couple. He needs, like, did he have a shot in the first half until, like, the very end? He has three at the end of the first half, Yeah, okay, that was his first shot of the game, right? I didn't notice if that was the case. I thought he had one sort of in the paint that didn't look very good early in the game. But I might be wrong on that. I thought, like, he didn't get his first shot in until, like, at least 15 minutes had passed in the first half. But anyway, he's not shooting enough. I mean, he only shot, like, what, four times in the game? So, I mean, he didn't shoot enough. Here's the thing. Murray State is picked second in a, in a good conference, a conference that got two bids last year, and they got some first-place votes in that conference. They're a good mid-major team, and you beat them by 19. And those guys got reps. They're not a mid-major team that hasn't played big games. I mean, most of that team was in the second round of the tournament last yeah, year. Yeah, and so it's not like we played some scrub-ass team. I mean, Tennessee has to get a lot better. Nobody's going to argue that, but – Murray State got a lot of votes to win the OVC, too. They got the second most first-place votes and out of a conference that, got, that was a multi-bid conference last year. Um, they're good. It was a good win. You beat them by 19. Now we'll see how we can handle the, the two five-star freshmen that Washington has. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that game. and I don't know what Washington's returning, but like what I said today on the radio about Josiah Jordan is that He's in a weird position of being pretty much the only really talented freshman on his team. I feel like usually these guys, these five stars, come in with a running mate. Like you said, the Washington has two of them. And, you know, you take what Kentucky and Duke does every year in Kansas. They usually bring in multiple really talented guys. Uh, Josiah is the only one of those guys playing, you know, in the starting lineup with four guys who were at the school last year. Now, at the same time, this team is going to have to develop and figure things out and Every single person on this team is playing in a new role than they were last year. And that's going to take some time. So it does make me a little nervous and less excited about our chances against Washington. We'll see because, you know, traditionally Rick Barnes here has done pretty well in these out-of-conference games. You know, we haven't won them all, but we have covered the spread and exceeded expectations type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In most of them. Even going back to when we beat, I mean, like that. We took Oregon to overtime. We kind of hung around with Gonzaga for a little bit. Like, we – we've that was year one or two like whenever we really sucked so it's not even only when we were good in year three and we beat you know, almost Carolina beat Villanova almost beat Villanova yeah I watched the in like the entirety of the Washington Baylor game that Washington won and Washington ended love seeing you do your research love seeing you scout and be an informed media member thank you and Washington ended the game on what I believe was a 21 to 5 run. It might have been a 20 to 5 run. Suffice to say, Baylor dominated the entire game before going absolutely brain dead the last 5 minutes. I mean, they became a vegetable the last 5 minutes after they dominated the game. We're up like in the 7 point to 12 point range like the entire second half. It just hung around. They were up by 9, 10 points, and then they just went brain dead. And Washington came back and won. And, I mean, a good team. I mean, Washington's pretty good. They wouldn't have been able to come back against Baylor if they weren't. But, like, Baylor went totally brain dead. The game kind of sucked to watch because both teams play zone defense because Washington's coach is Bayheim's successor. Was Bayheim's, you know, named successor at Syracuse, and he got tired of waiting. 
So they run a they run a two three zone two, but they went man to man on the last possession. And then I saw Washington only beat like Mount St. Mary's by like ten last night. Um like they're they're very beatable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I worry about us playing new roles, but hell, we played awesome in the second half. So I just don't know if Jordan Bowden's gonna be able to you know catch fire the way he did every game. But we'll see. I did get really excited about some of that defense we had out there and just some of the bodies because, for as much as Triple J has struggled offensively, he looks like an NBA player. He has an NBA body. I think at least I think he looks like a grown ass man out there. I think Pons and I know Jalen Johnson isn't a great defender, but he looks like a good defender. And Bowden and Lamonte can all kind of switch. Like, all five of those guys out there can play on the perimeter. And, you know, you'll have four of them out there at one time. And I do worry about rim protection with Fulkerson. But I did get excited at the potential lineups we could have out there with just four lanky guys. And I know Lamonte is shorter, but He's a hell he, of he a can defender. still switch. Yeah, he can still switch one through three if he has to. And that got me really excited for the potential of this defensive team. Yeah, I mean, I will say this, they are extremely athletic. When you just when you name off the people you just named off, I mean, that's some athleticism. That's some serious athleticism. Hopefully Jalen Johnson can continue to improve. He didn't look lost last night, so he's looked better this year. Hopefully, you know, he's a nice body. He we'll he see has to he... provide some st- he has to provide good minutes. Yeah, and he did last night. At times, he hit a three. He hit a, he hit a mid-range jumper in the second half when Tennessee was coming back. So, I'll give him a passing grade for last night, but he's going to need to be better moving forward against good teams. I would like Fulkerson not to get in foul trouble. Yeah, that's going to be the problem is if you're actually having to play a lot of Zach Kent and relying on him. That's going to be a problem. That's what I told my dad last night. I said, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, but they beat an NCAA tournament team by 19, but the problem is that Fulkerson had to sit out the last 10 minutes of the first half. He, he has to stay out of foul trouble because you do not want Zach Kent. No offense if he's listening. I think he's a fan. We, we don't – we like Fulkerson. That doesn't mean we dislike Zach Kent. It's just I think Fulkerson's going to need to be the guy out there. Maybe Zach Kent can continue to improve. It just doesn't seem like a big recipe for success right now, Zach. You can still improve. I'm not throwing the talent on you, buddy. Nice shot. Nice shot on the three-pointer. Yeah, the second one you shot was not good. What do we think about, um, and I'm going to try and pronounce his name. Uh, I know you're talking about the... How do you say his name? Big F, I, don't, I don't know. I should probably know because I Nakama, do very well Nakahama? I mean... I saw a little, uh, I saw a little Grant Williams in him. Kamwa? Kamwa, Kamwa, Kamwa. I saw a little Grant Williams in him with his size and his length, and he made some okay plays. He's he's played pretty good back-to-back games. Yeah, I'm excited to see how he develops. I mean, I think he had eight and seven last night. Maybe, I don't know. I looked at the box score this morning. I thought he played good for the second time in a row. I am I am excited about him. I think he's going to be a good, a good multi-year player. But he's going to have to grow up quick. Why did we let these guys all take all the guys' numbers from last year? It was a little weird seeing, like, Gaines and even Josiah Jordan rocking, like, Admiral's number and Bones' number. Why didn't Rick Barnes recruit a center? I think he tried to with Plastic or whatever the hell his name is. Urosh. 
I mean, I think he tried to. I'm not going to I'm not going to blame Rick Barnes for not trying to get a center because he did. And you know, whatever. He didn't get cleared at least yet and doesn't look like he's going to get cleared, but they they tried. Yeah. A high schooler that you would have known was going to get in would have been nice instead of leaving it up to the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, if you could go out and get a stud, obviously, but like uh, a three-star project center is not going to do anything. Just, you know, we've we've gone down that route a couple times. Even a four-star like DJ Burns couldn't get on the damn floor. Although he did score like 12 points in his up their upset the other night. Winthrop got a big win I know. over a top 25 team. And – you know, good for DJ. We always love DJ on this podcast. We are always big DJ Burns fans, so good for him. But um, why is he? Were we? I'm just kidding. I'm being sarcastic. Why is he? Why is he immediately eligible there? Mm, doesn't you know? No one knows how to make sense of what the NCAA does. Okay. Did Derek Walker get immediately eligible at Nebraska? I want to say he. For some reason, I don't know. I was about to say he did, but then I got cold feet. I believe he did, though. Well, I'm looking it up right now. I believe they've. Yeah. I believe they've lost their first two games. Look it up to see because I think that he is cleared, but I'll. I'm not sure. Derek Walker stats. He has .8 points and 1.1 rebounds per game. Fred Hoiberg's start off at Nebraska's um, little, a bit of um. No, wait, hold on. No, this is 2018-2019 stats. No, he hasn't played yet. Okay. Um, Fred Hoiberg is off to a little bit of an inauspicious start at Nebraska. They lost to UC Riverside by by 19, and then they lost to Southern Utah by one. So Nebraska now has coaches in basketball and football that everyone agreed were home run hires, and they have both been absolutely ass thus far in their tenure. Yeah, I kind of touched on that on Talk Sports today, uh, noon to three, best show in Knoxville. Um, it was crazy. I don't know if you checked ESPN.com today, but they already had the article up. Uh, can Scott Frost, can is Nebraska dead, basically? I read it. I'm so glad that we didn't have to have that story written about us because we have rallied to get to five and five. Because we have a hell of a defense now, John. We have a good defense, but like my last thought on Scott Frost is – I'm not going to blame Scott Frost for the media ranking him in the top 25 in year two after they went four and eight. I'm going to give him time. If he gets to six and six and they win two of their last three games, they got Wisconsin, Iowa, and Maryland. So, like, it's possible they win two of their last three and they make a bowl game. I'm not going to call Scott Frost a failure. Like, that seems a little premature just because he didn't live up to the kind of unrealistic expectations people set on him this year. First of all, it was utter insanity to have them ranked. It was absolute insanity to have them ranked. Second of all, if he wins one more game this year, he's improved upon last year. Has it gone the way that anybody thought it would? No. Does he need to make some staff changes? Perhaps. I don't know. It seemed crazy to me to bring the entire staff with you from Central Florida. I don't know. The media is the one at fault here because... They they made Nebraska a top 25 team. They made Adrian Martinez, former VFL Adrian Martinez, a legitimate Heisman contender. You can't be a former VFL. The L stands for life. You are a VFL. Okay, VFL Adrian Martinez into a Heisman winner. Both of those, that it seems crazy that the media tried to meme that into existence. 
And then, of course, the article today is utter horseshit. They're gonna. I didn't read it. They're gonna beat Maryland. Okay, they're gonna beat Maryland because I don't know that Maryland could be a team comprised entirely of blind players right now. So Nebraska's gonna beat them. So they're gonna be five and seven at worst. That's an improvement. Has it gone the way that everybody thought? No. Is he a failure? No. He's the best coach they could ever ever hope to possibly get. You just have to ride it out with him if you're Nebraska. Like you have to, you have to. You can't fire him after two years. It was a little comforting, I guess, that uh, there's some fair play there because they were ready to fire Jeremy Pruitt after two games, which, you know, whatever. Some of us were too. But, you know, I guess it's at least fair play with Nebraska. They were trying to hold him accountable to the standards they set. Like I said, it was dumb. And you know me, we, we've had this argument many times. I thought it was similar to how they did Lane Kiffin at USC. He was almost a victim of his success. Scott Frost won four of his last six games, right? And in those two losses, they lost close games to Iowa and lost by, I think, five at Ohio State. So then it was like, oh, they've made the leap. Kind of like Lane Kiffin at USC when he went 10-2 and two and beat Oregon in year two. And then they're like, oh, wow, number one team in the country. Never mind the fact USC didn't have any offensive linemen. Remember, they had like all walk-on like or freshmen. They, they, they had a shit offensive line. But the media led the narrative that USC was back and that they're number one in the country. And then when Lane and USC couldn't block anybody because they had no offensive line, everyone talked about how big of a failure Lane Kiffin was, and he got fired. Scott Frost had a pretty good year one, at least the last six games of it. Won four, lost two close ones. Still went four and eight. And then everyone's like, oh, top 25. And then they aren't a top 25 team. They aren't ready to live up to that, and now everyone's like, Nebraska football's dead. No, sometimes shit just takes a little while. Yeah, especially at a place like Nebraska where you can't flip the roster in one class because it's really, really, really hard to recruit there because there's no in-state talent. Yeah, but I'm not going to buy that. I mean, I'm not going to buy that completely because Minnesota is in year two of P.J. Fleck, right? Or is he year three? He's year three. He's year three? Okay. So, I think you're right. So, and, you know, year two, they weren't very good either. So, I mean, maybe Scott Frost could do that year three. I don't buy the narrative that Nebraska's dead. Will they return to the 90s? No, that's not happening. But they could win just the same as Minnesota is this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree totally with that. I mean, Right? So, like, P.J. Flex, year I, I, three. I mean, yeah, he's year three. And um, I'm, I'm looking up. Like, in Scott Frost's defense – um, the the year before Scott Frost took over at Nebraska, Nebraska went four and eight. The year before PJ Fleck took over at Minnesota, Minnesota went nine and four, had a winning record in the conference, and went to the Holiday Bowl. Like the prestigious Holiday Bowl. Well, they went to a bowl and won nine games and had a winning record in the conference. Nebraska went four and eight. I mean, like no. I mean, I understand. I understand. I'm just saying, like in terms of the recruiting. Uh, sure, they're flipping the roster. Maybe year two's unrealistic. I, I was more so just rejecting the idea that Nebraska can't do what Minnesota. No, I, I no, I'm not. I don't disagree with you that at all. I, but it's not like being. They made it out like Scott Frost was at a job like Florida or Florida State, where you can flip the roster really, really quickly, quicker than you can at Nebraska. Ryan writes in the Discord that he thought the article was saying Scott Frost is great, but Nebraska is dead. 
so it doesn't matter. It did give off that vibe too, but they were also talked about like how people were disappointed with Frost and how like they were giving him this much patience because of who he was. Patience, it's your fucking two. He's not Willie Taggart, like Yeah, I mean it's crazy to me. Like the only game not Chad Morris, like he Chad Morris couldn't beat a power five team. Like Nebraska's not that bad. What are we talking about here? Like and I don't know how you feel about Willie Taggart, but I don't know. It's kind of crazy he didn't at least get to year two, or at least all the way through year two. You know what I mean? Like they had, they were four and four, right? I mean, I feel like they were better this year than they were last year. They were better this year than they were last year. Like, would he have ever won there? I don't know. Probably not. But it's still weird that you pull the plug before year two's over. I don't know. I, I think Chad Morris was the biggest failure of all these guys. Like, it's that is seems undeniable. crazy that we're talking about. Given Scott Frost more time, it's year one and a half. I've only watched one Nebraska game. It was the Purdue game a couple weekends ago, and it was it was rough to watch. It was hard to watch. Um, Man. I think Purdue had their third-string quarterback in that game, and they won. Yeah. Purdue has uh, given Jeff Brom all that money to to win those games, so good for them. It, it was tough to watch. I mean, Willie Taggart, I was surprised that he got fired that soon, too. I think it was deserved, though. I mean, he was terrible. You just can't lose to Manny Diaz at home, twenty-seven to ten. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't do it. Like, ah, but yes, I was surprised that it happened that early. But they obviously were just a train wreck. I mean, it, it didn't seem like it was going to get any better after he threw Kendall Browns under the bus after the first game. <laughs> I mean. There's no arguing that Jeremy Pruitt is the second best year two coach in year two at his school. So save it with the Mario Cristobal stuff. He was at the school the year before. All right. Okay. He, he doesn't count. He's disqualified. Jeremy Pruitt is number two. He's behind Dan Mullen. That's it. Dan Mullen won. Jeremy Pruitt number two. Save it. Miss me. Jeremy Pruitt, has he beaten Gus Malzon? Yes. Dan Mullen, has he beaten Gus Malzon? Yes. Mario Cristobal. Did he beat Gus Malzahn? Uh, no. He did not. He did not. If you can't beat Bo Nix, please exit the stage immediately. If you can't beat Gus Malzahn, period, please exit the stage immediately because Big Germ did. He flopped it out there last year on the Plains. Cristobal, I mean, you can't argue with what Cristobal has done. Whatever. They haven't really beaten anybody. And they lost to Auburn. Okay. I still think that, like like you said, of the people that are at a new school, Pruitt is hands down number two. Um, you were right when you said that the floor, that they should win nine games. You were right. I was right. I was correct. They should have won nine games. Thank you. I remember getting in. It feels nice to have some respect every now and then of people telling you you're right. Thank you. I was right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Matt. They also had Josh Herbert. You know, I mean, like, they weren't I – mean, they had some talent. They had, you know, I mean, yeah, we have we have what we have at quarterback. Um, I remember getting in arguments with my dad, like, getting so mad in, like, August, late July when I would tell him that, he, that Pruitt had to go 8-4. and four. Like, he had to do it. There was no reason not to because all we were asking him to do was to beat Mississippi State and South Carolina at home. Like – we were right. 
Now, I don't know how you feel, but I will look past the first two games if he wins out. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'll just be like, okay, the first two games are what they are. And I'm willing to bet that it'll never happen again. And if that's what we had to go through for the team to turn the corner and to prove it, and for, like, the team to – we just look – like, every week we're getting better. You know, we have – I mean, like, every week they're getting better. If it took those first two games, fine. Whatever. They're 3-3 three and three in conference. Like, forget about Georgia State and BYU if he wins out. I mean, the only thing that matters to me now is just beating Missouri. And, like – it's just every week we get better. Like, Aubrey Solomon, I mean, like, he was awesome Saturday night. He graded out at, like, 86. He made the all-SEC defensive team. Like, Quaveris Crouch and Toa Toa graded out in the high 70s, which is, like, an above-average player. They're both true freshmen. Toa Toa looks like he's going to be an All-American. Toa Toa looks like a, if he can stay healthy, looks like a lock to be first team all SEC. And you've got, you've got, we have Solomon, what, for two more years after this year? Uh, I mean, if he wants to stay. If he wants to stay. <laughs> the way he's balling, he's a big body, I don't, I don't know. What if, what if Solomon, what if Solomon got really hot and was like, see guys, I'm going to the NFL. That would suck. That would be disappointing. Because, I mean, he's, after, he's, this is his year three, right? Or no? Yeah, this is year three. You know, I mean, like, be, we sat there, we, we, were talk, we were talking about how good Greg Emerson was, and Greg Emerson was playing good, and, like, he's been benched because Solomon, you know, I mean, we got guys like Solomon and Middleton out there. This team should have been at least 8-4, and four, and that was with even giving them a loss to Missouri next week, which I don't think they're going to lose to Missouri next week. I said it at the time, this lines up perfectly for Tennessee, coming off a of bye week. Missouri's going to be tired and just getting, you know, destroyed by Georgia and Florida. Tennessee should go in there. Missouri shouldn't have much to play for. Tennessee should go in there and take care of business. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, like, Kelly Bryant's playing this weekend, right? I believe so. I mean. I'm not scared of Kelly Bryant. Well, all I'm going to say is that. Kelly Bryant better be scared of Nigel Warrior. Florida is a program that has a reputation for having some dirty players and having some, you know, you know. That, that. Less than upstanding individuals. And, I mean, would anybody be surprised if Kelly Bryant got hurt? You know, I mean, and just be like, deuces, I'm out. Like, forget this, man. This ain't worth it. We ain't going to a bowl and we're 5-5. Five and five. Like, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't doing this to play so I can play Arkansas to get to a bowl game. Or to they get to six wins. To get, to get to six yeah, wins. They can't I mean, even make a bowl game. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like, I, pack it up, Kelly. Head to the head to the crib. Br- Kelly Bryant, listen, Reed's Ranch, who has always had your best interests at heart. Always. We're imploring you to shut it down and focus on the NFL draft. Head to the crib. Guy, protect yourself. It's not worth it. Your unpaid labor. Shut it down. Shut it down, Kelly. We've always wanted the best for you. Going back to your days. At Clemson, and the only reason I bring up Kelly Bryan is that no, I'm not particularly scared of him, but their backup buddy, woo, shoo, you talk about Nigel Warrior feasting, their backup was slaw the other day. Our defense will go in and stop anybody. I'm not worried about it. This defense travels. We saw that this weekend. Sure, it was a bad first drive, 
Second drive wasn't even on them. It was a block punt. This defense travels. It's really crazy. Like, after the first drive, the defense, they shut it down. I mean, they weren't perfect, no, but yeah, like you know, No, sometimes you got to cut the water off, though. Sometimes you got to shut them down and cut the water off. They cut the water off. The second touchdown wasn't on them. And even after the second touchdown, our defense said, okay, we gave you a second touchdown, but we're not getting you an extra point. And Daryl Middleton, he shut the water off and blocked the extra point. And that was that. That was that. Eddie Grant had some all-time play calls on fourth down, though. That fourth and three <laughs> streak down the field was about as bad as it gets. Kentucky on fourth down was something, man. Then punting at the end of the first half. Yeah. Like, what the hell? What was that? Stoops has to be kicking himself for the way he handled that game. They could have buried us in the first half. Like, what the hell was that? They, they, imagine, I bet, like, the Florida and Tennessee games this year keep him up at night. They ought to, at least. If he has any pride about himself. Imagine if you're Florida State and that's the guy you're going to hire. So you're like, hey, let me check in on Mark Stoops, see, what, see what's going on up there. Let me see who this uh, upcoming coach is about to be. Oh, my God. He did what? He punted that? He threw a fade on four. He threw a streak on four and th- fourth and three. No, nah, I don't want this guy. It's like Will Warren said. Will Warren, shout out to Will Warren. We love him. He said, like on Monday or Sunday, that Kentucky ran the same play. I think six straight times to get to the to get to the five yard line. In their next four plays, they did not run that play again. I would have bet my life that they were going to run that speed option on fourth down. Yeah. Like, I I was going to say that, like, everyone on earth, God and country, knew that Bowden was going to keep the ball on fourth down, too. Like, he was going to keep the ball in his hands. There's no way he was letting anybody else touch the ball on fourth down. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him, but everyone knew that the ball was staying with him. And we had about... If we only had 11 players out there, but it felt like we had about 20 because they were swarming to the ball that much. They were not going to score that game-winning touchdown with the JYD on the field. <laughs> My man, did you see that hop he had? Whew, he got up when, when big Jaquan Blakely. He was waiting for the cutback. He was going to kill somebody on that cutback, but, he, the, but Bowden never got to do the cutback. Bowden, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, I still don't understand why his name's Bowden when it's spelled Bowden. Either way. He didn't get to make the cutback. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee just beats Kentucky. That's what they do. Shout out to Jeremy Pruitt for putting 12 men on the field, by the way, on that last drive. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Sharp. Sharp. It's a good thing Kentucky didn't score because there would have been some people a little upset about the way he handled the quarterback situation and the way that uh, they managed that last drive with counting men on the field. Yeah, so. But you win, and that's all that matters. You put three defenders on the All-SEC Team of the Week, and now we are getting a bye week to get healthy, and everyone else can eat shit. Um, something else we were right about is Nigel Warrior. We've always been big Nigel guys. He leads the SEC in interceptions. I've said just give him time. He might be better than his daddy. That's all. That You've been saying that for four years. Give him time. He might end up being better than his daddy. And Daryl Taylor leads the SEC in sacks. Uh, I believe I gave him the name Big Game Daryl. Big Game Daryl, you were right about that too. I th- Chuck another one up. 
We were don't forget about don't forget about not giving up on JG and that he's going to be the sixth man of the year. Don't forget about that yeah, one. He's like never my- gave up on JG. I said, hey, this guy's like Manu Ginobili. He is the sixth man. Do you start him in, in Missouri? Uh, yeah, I think you have to, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. He's the sixth man of the year. I don't know. I I don't know yeah, how you got you got to stick with what works. Like if you really and truly, if Jeremy Pruitt really deep down believes that that Jared Garantano is better coming off the bench, then no, I guess you throw Brian Mauer and his scrambled brain back out there to start the game and let him go two or three series. But like, I wouldn't wait till halftime this game. No, no, I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait near as long. Like, if, you know, I would give it, like, one or two series before, you know, and and obviously a lot of it depends on what Missouri does on offense, which looking back, it's crazy that, like, Kentucky ran the ball down our throats. We put Maurer back out there. The punt's blocked. They score again, and we put Maurer back out there again. As he's skipping passes. Yeah, as he's skipping passes. All that being said, like, I would not wait as near as long, man. You're playing. You're playing with fire. Like, dude, we played two quarters to their four, basically. It doesn't matter. Garantano doesn't need long to score. I've always said that. He is a he, he is a quarterback who can get down the field fast. Like, it was – it's so funny. Like, yet again – we we put him in, and it's like Kentucky didn't even have a secondary. Our wide receivers were wide ass open. Now they made some great plays, but like there were times where like Jennings was just all alone across the middle of the field. Um, I but. I mean, if you really believe Garantano's better off the bench, then yeah, I guess you put Maurer back out there. What were you happier to see? Marquez Callaway catching jump balls again or Garantano showing off the dual threat, picking up picking up two big first downs? Callaway catching the deep balls. Because that can be done on anybody, and it's like we go games without doing it. Now, some of that was that Garantano was so bad at the beginning of the season, I think. But it's like that's undefendable. It feels like I don't know, man. J- JG pointing out to Tim Jordan to go level somebody so he can get around for a first down got me pretty pumped up. What a great block! Tim Jordan killed that dude. He flattened him. He flattened him. Um, Tim Jordan's our best running back, by the way. Shout out to Ty Chandler fumbling again, and then and also lining up wrong to to. To, to cover up Austin Pope. So we, we we got that we got that touchdown called back. I mean like what what the hell, dude? Tim Jordan's our best running back. He just does he makes game winning plays. That was He's a, just out there blocking and picking up yards and, and getting things done. It was a sweet block. It was a sweet block. All right, let's get to some patron questions. Got a couple new patrons to shout out. Shout out to new $2 patron. He just beat the deadline of uh, the recording of the episode. Tyler Banks. Shout out to Tyler. We love you, buddy. Uh, new $5 patron who was an old patron whose card got declined, but then he got a new one and got back on board. $5 patron, Chayton Williams. Shout out to Chayton. We love you, buddy. 
new $5 patron, Jordan Piper. Shout out to Jordan. We love you. And Zach Elliott upped his pledge from $5 to $30. Shout out. We love you, buddy. That's a, that's a lot. We have a $30 patron? We have a $30 patron now. I didn't even know that was a level. It wasn't. He custom made it. Damn. He said if we make a bowl game, he's going to – I think he said if we go 7-5, and five, he's making a $50 patron. If we go 7-5, and five, he's making a $50. Kelly Bryant, buddy, if you're listening, you really need to sit out this game in 10 days. Please sit this game out, Kelly. Focus on the NFL because my kids need to be fed, and yours will one day too. We love Zach. We we do love Zach. Shout out to Zach. Thank you a lot, buddy. Thank you to all our patrons. Also, 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 he's a troop. He is stationed in Alaska. He's a troop. We love our troops. We love our troops. Shout out to our troops. Happy Veterans Day. We we have You're several a couple troops. Old days late, but well, I mean, I haven't talked to Zach. I know. I'm just saying. You're a so, couple days late. Well, he he can pretend that it's Monday. Every day is Veterans Day if you think about it. If you support the troops, every day is Veterans Day. Great point. Great point. All right, let's get to some questions. Uh, Zach asked, what's the best date spot in Knoxville? He asked me and Kendall. Kendall's not, obviously not on the podcast. Uh, Seth, you are. Do you have a favorite date spot in Knoxville? Um, no. <laughs> Somewhere like uh, Market Square, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, I really feel like in Knoxville, it's hard to beat the Depending on what type of atmosphere you want, if you want like a nice little upscale place, just go to Stock and Barrel and get a good burger, and, and then like you can still walk in Market Square, and then you can either go to one of the bars for a, a nightcap, or you can go to Cruise Farms and get a ice cream or a milkshake. I mean, they have the best Oreo milkshakes I've ever had in my life, and they give you the big extra plastic straws that you can that are strong enough so you can suck up the milkshake. You know how most milkshakes, they give you a little bit straw and you can't get the milkshake up in it? Not at Cruise Farms. They give you a big, gigantic straw that basically says, fuck the turtles and the environment. This milkshake is more important. We're all, we're gonna, we're all gonna die one day, so why not enjoy? That's what they do. Shout out to Cruise Farms. Then maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, I, I, I like, uh, if you're just going for kind of a laid-back date night, it's not a bad idea to maybe get to Barley's a little early and eat some pizza and shoot some pool. I don't know. Although they did really fuck me over one time on some reservations and almost got in a fight in the middle of Barley's, so maybe I shouldn't give them free pub. Actually, I take that back. Fuck Barley's. So we're out unless on that man Unless that manager is no longer there. He was a real asshole. Did I ever tell you that story? No, I don't think so. I told you that story, I think. Okay. Many years ago, we were there waiting for two hours on a birthday reservation oh. table of like 12. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then someone came up and stole our invitation, or our reservation, I mean. Uh, then they had the nerve to get smart with me, the ladies at the front, saying, actually, here, there's their name. Here's you. And I was like, no, bitch, I'm Reed. That's me. We've been waiting for two hours. And then fate had it where they set us right next to that table and we just argued and bickered, and I challenged a couple people to go outside and fight. The manager came over, didn't offer any food or anything. I said, fuck you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I got up and left, and then nobody at my table followed me. And I had to stand outside for like 10 minutes before I came back in and just sat down like nothing happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was bad. I went over, I sat down. Uh, 
Kendall, my girlfriend, who was an angel, looked at the girls at the table and told them that they were trash. <laughs> and that led to a couple of them talking shit. So then I talked shit. And then some guys, you know, he tried to start talking shit. And that's when I'm like, buddy, you better sit your ass down before I beat your ass. Like, let's go outside. And he never did. And we, they, we yelled for a little bit. And then the manager came over. And that's when I was like, hey, here's what happened. These assholes and you guys gave our table away. They stole our table. And they're basically like, oh, sorry about it. At least you got your table now. <laughs> At least you got your table now. I was so mad. At least you got your table now. I was ready to burn that fucking place down. And I said, I'm not spending a fucking dollar here. And I got up and left. And we had been waiting for two hours and everyone was hungry. So no one came with me. That was one of the worst feelings in the world. Staging a walkout and no one joins you. And you just have to come back in and act like nothing happened. That's pretty bad. I'm sorry. That just hurts me. Like, just visualizing that in my head hurts me. Matt in the Discord asked my fight record. I feel like I've referenced it many times. I don't know if he's being facetious or not, but it's 7-0. and 7-0. Seven people have stepped up. Seven people have been knocked down. It would have been number eight if that short motherfucker at Barley's that was talking shit would have came outside. I was so mad. And if the manager would have, if the manager would have came outside, it would have been 9-0. When was the last time you got in a fight? Uh, it's been a couple years. It's been a while. It's probably not in like six years at this point. Like right after college or in college. It's been a while. I'm a, I'm a calm man now. You still got the belt though. Yeah, I still got the title if anybody wants a shot at it. It would have been eight and nine and oh if those people would have came outside. Oh, I was, I'm getting mad thinking about it. And I'm mad that I producer cut that out. Be saying bleep out the name at least of where I said to go. Bleep that out, please. No free pub. It was gonna be eight no earlier this year with that one dude on Twitter that. Yeah, he would have. He would have been eight no too. He would have been eight no. I, I was itching. I'm not necessarily uh, like off the. I'm not like necessarily retired. It's just for the most part, I don't ever really have any beef with anybody. I did tell you I did tell you about that guy downtown last week though that just started screaming at me and said I was a beta male as he walked by and I don't know if he was on drugs or just hated me, but it was a little weird. But I had my croc slides on and I was holding two hamburgers so I couldn't fight. You can't fight in slides. That guy sounded like he had some problems. Yeah, that's why I I, did, I never said anything back to him because A, I wasn't in proper fighting attire, and B, like I said, I don't know if he was yelling at me or just on drugs or what, but that that's the only kind of mix-ups I've had lately. I, I've I've lived a pretty straight life these days. Yeah, you're a good man. I, mean, there's, there's, I try to be. I try to be. You're a good man, John. So yeah, just do like downtown grill if you want a laid-back atmosphere, and then like you just have the option of drinking. It's a good happy hour on Fridays. You can go to Cruise Farms. You can also go to Stock and Barrel. Market Square's got nice options. That, that's what I would do. That's what I would do if I was just trying to do a little date in Knoxville. I don't know if that was just Zach really genuinely asking or just wanted to brag that he had a date either way congratulations zach good luck on your date buddy marwan says same question as last week now that we are five and five after kentucky just like last year do we feel different yeah i feel a lot better yeah the team is a lot better like they're not like i mean it just the, the wins this year feel more authentic if that makes sense. Like, we basically beat Auburn because we just threw deep balls. 
And they were in turmoil. Yeah. I mean, we beat Kentucky last year because they're Kentucky. That was also in Knoxville, and they were heartbroken because Georgia kicked their ass. The the wins this year is like Tennessee. The South Carolina game got me fired up, man. We'd kick their ass. That was uh, that was about as good as an SEC performance as we've had in many years. That that South Carolina performance was better, especially if you just remove the first play. That's the best SEC performance we've had. I mean, it, since twenty fifteen, Alabama maybe. Second, I mean, if you take the whole game into account, because I mean, we looked like shit the first half against Florida. In, tw- in 2016. We looked like shit against Georgia in the first half in 2016. Yeah, that's why I didn't include them either. And I guess Texas A&M, you, f- you turned the ball over seven times. I remember that 2016 Georgia game. Like I was f- just so disappointed at how we had played because we were so much better than they were. I was, uh, I was down there, as you know, fighting the fight, so I had to feign like I was very uh, confident, which I think I was at the time, so I wasn't worried. I know you were back getting ready to get LASIK like a little bitch, so you were not there, so you probably were scared. Scared of going blind and also scared of losing. I don't think I'm scared. I don't think I've been scared of losing for a really, really long time. <laughs> Can you notice the change in my demeanor? I'm getting mad thinking about these 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 motherfuckers. Which one of the butch hand-me-downs have you been most impressed with so far this season? This comes from Jackie Clowers. He says, Batuli, Warrior, Taylor, Jennings, or Callaway? Warrior. The others were. That's who you've been most impressed with all year. All year, uh, Jennings. I mean, Jennings. Yeah, Batuli's been really good. He's he's improved a lot, and that performance he had with 19 tackles is I don't want to call it legendary, but pretty damn stout. The reason, but that Jennings, I, I didn't think Jennings was as good of a receiver as he's shown, and he's been really, really, really good. I didn't think he was that good. I thought he had some big moments. I thought he was tough. I thought he would knock some people out on blocks, but he's actually been a really good receiver this year. Yeah. The reason why I said Warrior was because all of those other guys, like, they've been good before. Like, Nigel Warrior has not. And he was not good for the first half of the season. And then all of a sudden, he's leading the SEC in interceptions. But overall, for the whole season, yes, Jennings. Troy asked, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I don't know. I don't know. Like being rich? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's an easy answer. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he means. Like, if we're just talking about that, like being rich would be cool. Yeah, I would um, say be a billionaire. Yeah, that'd be cool. Having a full head of nice, luscious hair would be pretty good, but that wouldn't be like on my in my top ten probably. I mean, I would take being a billionaire. I wouldn't mind an extra three inches of dick size. That'd be cool. <laughs> Although some people don't like fifteen inches, so I don't know. Maybe that'd be <laughs> diminishing returns. You'd have to take. If I had to give like a just like a serious answer on how to improve life, I think mine would just be like, I wish I didn't like sugar so much. I cannot kick soft drinks. I try, and I just crave them, and I, I like them, and I just can't quit drinking them. I wish I didn't. Yeah. I, just, I wish I didn't like them so much, but I love Cokes. I love Coca-Cola. Yeah, Coca-Cola is amazing, John. That's why you like it. I, I love it so much, and I wish I didn't. If I could change one thing about myself, that would be close to the in the runnings of like realistic things. 
I mean, I can't make myself taller. You know what I mean? I can't become like a professional athlete. That might be my answer. Maybe not so short-tempered. Although I do feel like me being short-tempered has led to good things in my life. I feel like people like when I show off my short temper. Yeah. I feel like it's always gotten me somewhere, all throughout life. Yeah. And it got seven people beat up, so that's good. I mean, it got you the belt. That is true. It has got me a 7-0. and Slim ass, would you rather be very hungover or very sunburnt? Hungover. Being sunburnt is one of the worst feelings ever, Slim. It's awful. If you're very hungover, you can just do what I do, and that's just lay in the shower for a couple hours and just act like you're going to die and then get out and get in bed. If you are very sunburnt, you can't even lay down because you're hurting too bad. You can't even move. That's a very dumb question by Slim. He usually asks very good questions. To me, there's no debate here. Very hungover. That's a bad question. Like, al- like alcohol poisoning, like in the hospital? Okay, maybe. I'd still rather have that than be very bad sunburnt. Being bad sunburnt is one of the worst feelings ever. Bad question from Diesel. I hate to see it. Mm. Let's see. Uh, you see any other questions that really caught your eye? All right, here's one from Caleb. What are the expectations for football next year? Compete for the East, nine wins. What's the next step? Good question, Caleb. Yeah, that is a good question because I don't know the answer because, unfortunately, we have to play Oklahoma. And I just wish that, like, we were playing, like, Pittsburgh next year or BYU again. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, again, like, the floor is 8-4 and four next year. But, like, at some point, Jeremy – has to be Florida, Georgia, or Alabama. That's what I was gonna say. You got to beat one of your rivals. At some point, you have to. You have to. You you have to beat one of Georgia, Florida, Alabama. Feels like next year is that year. It, it's fair to say. I mean, this might sound stupid next year, but. I think you can get Florida or Alabama next year at home. Like I, th- I think Alabama's in play. Here's, I mean, you're only go- you, like you know, only every other year do you have two of the three at home. So if you don't, you know, I mean, like the chances of doing one of them is better next year because you got two of them at home. I mean, I, I, Alabama officially is in play. You heard it here first. Time stamp it, November 13th, 2019. Saturday, October 24th, 2020, Alabama's officially in play. That is the day we announced to the world that we are back. I don't know if you know this. Uh, Tennessee is coming off of a bye week in 2020 when they play Alabama at home. Alabama will be on their 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th, 6th, 7th. Tennessee will be their eighth game in a row. Holy right? shit. One, two, three, That's four, how it five, was six, the year with seven, Kiffin. Eight. Alabama's in play. You heard it here first. We're coming off a of bye week. Those cocksuckers are playing their eighth game in a row. We're at home. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Jarrett Garantano is going to run the boys out of the tunnel, and the place is going to be a madhouse. Eighth game in a row versus coming off of a bye week. It's jungle time. 
oh, man, not only are we coming off a of bye week, but, like, we're not even coming off of playing Georgia. Yeah, because we play Missouri instead of Georgia early in the season next year. Yeah, we'll be coming off Missouri and a trip to Williams-Brice. So as long as we get out of there without like getting any STDs in Columbia, we'll be good. Man, it's all coming. Like, imagine if you can for a second, Jarrett Garantano <laughs> beating Alabama. <laughs> it's going to happen. He is going to quarterback sneak it at the end of the first half to put us up 17. I couldn't Alabama even, in play. I couldn't even say it without laughing. I mean, I don't know. Like, Look at Nick Saban's hair, man. He, it's a wrap for him. It's a wrap. Was it? He not- looks sick. He looks old. He's done for. It's a wrap for Nick Saban. Tua is going to be gone. I'm not scared of little Tagalavolia. I'm not scared of Mac Jones. It's over. All those receivers, at least Jerry Judy's going to be gone. I don't know about the other two, but they're, I'm, I'm not scared of them. Bryce Thompson, Alante Taylor, Lockdown City. Kenneth George, Art Green. We got the number one Juco cornerback coming in. Oh, don't forget about Art Green. At some point, Jeremy, you have to be one of Georgia, one of Florida, and one of Alabama. And it might as well, it might as well be 2020. Are we doing are we doing uh Florida tailgate or Alabama tailgate? It's gotta be Alabama now. Which is better for the ranch tailgate? September 26th against Florida or or October 24th against Alabama? And I know all these I know all these brothers and sisters of the ranch are going to say why not both? So fuck it, we'll just plan on both. <laughs> we'll just plan on both. Forget it. Both of them. You love to see it. Uh, maybe, man, maybe that is crazy though. They're coming off eight straight. This is we're going to be their eighth straight game, and they are, and we're going to be coming off a of bye week. Yeah, maybe Marwan can actually come to one of them next year. It'll be nice. It, be it nice. was always about 2020. We've always said that year three. It was. Jeremy Pruitt has shown enough in year two, barring collapse. Year three, you take the step. Let's speak it into existence, like we did Saturday night. Like we spoke nine and three into existence because sure, maybe we didn't actually get there, but we did, if you ask me. We might as well be nine and three at the end of this year. I'm not arguing with you. Twenty twenty Alabama in play. Twenty twenty Alabama in play. Say it with me. Twenty twenty Alabama, Alabama in play. Twenty twenty Alabama in and play eight straight games <laughs> what a shitty schedule for them oh, i really hate to see it man it's they just can't catch a break we're gonna be rolling in off of whipping missouri's ass and beating south carolina and then we're gonna be chilling our ass enjoying a bye week you know it was nice though that like it seems like when everything you know has gone has gone against us for years and years it was nice that auburn bitching to the SEC about having to play Georgia and Alabama back-to-back. Like, it finally worked out in our it, favor. It worked out in our favor for once. Like, for once, one of those random occurrences, it always felt like we got, like, the butterfly effect just screwed us. It, But it worked. Like, it's awesome for us. We don't have to play Georgia right after Florida now and right before Alabama. Like, it's awesome. We get to, We get Missouri at home. 
I want you to imagine us being 6-0 and in the SEC as we all march into Sanford Stadium <laughs> November 14th with the East Championship on the line. Oh, man. Man. I get emotional thinking about it. 2020, the East also in play. I get emotional thinking about mm. – I got emotional thing mm. about seeing Levi right there in his in his ugly ass Liverpool hat, smiling as we walk in. Beat some rivals in twenty twenty. That is the official goal. Yep, you you've already proven like before you could do any of that, you had to beat like the Kentuckys, the South Carolinas, the Vandys. Okay, you've gotten that out of the way. We're gonna beat Vandy in two weeks. Whatever. I think we'll beat Missouri in 10 days, blah, blah, blah. The next step, beat some rivals, man. It's time. It's time, as Lane Kiffin used to say. Wouldn't it be awesome if uh, Lincoln Riley just said, hey, I'm going to go play with the big boys and I'm going to go to the uh, NFL? Yeah, it would be cool. Let's, Let's think about that for a little bit too. All right, Brother Seth. I love you. Sorry to all the patrons. We didn't get question, uh, get to their questions. We were already in, at an hour. So I'm going to go. Goodbye. Seth, I love you. I love you too, John. It was a pleasure as always. We'll do it again next week before the uh, the Missouri game. Absolutely. Darling, I care. I care for you more than my own self. Darling, I share. I share with you all goodness and well. Said we can have just one night, or we can have one whole life if we play it cool. Yeah, we can have that one thing, or we can have everything if our hearts are true. Girls, slow down. Just looking in your eyes You know I'm looking for more And you're what I've been praying for This kind of love don't come around like this I'm not one to play around like this It's so real And I love